Welcome to the Messiah Podcast. We are so glad you tuned in today. Whether you are driving, doing chores, or taking a walk, we hope the Lord quiets your head and your heart to hear truth and be challenged through His Word. Without further ado, let's dive into the message. Well, grab a Bible, would you? Start turning over to Mark chapter 2. And uh, we're continuing this series. It's a kind of a series in a new normal. Like, like Jesus was bringing a new normal to earth when he was here and they couldn't quite understand it. And uh, I think it's fitting for us to look at it from that perspective because there's a new normal going on in our society right now with masks. It's here for a while and uh, or maybe permanently. Time will tell uh, the changes. I think we're all starting to adjust to these changes. And so this new normal Jesus was bringing, they still couldn't quite understand who he was. And uh, so I want to start out, maybe just ask you a question, because this is probably how they were looking even at Jesus. Uh, have you ever had something in your life that you couldn't understand? Like something happened, you're like, I can't understand this. No matter how hard I try, no matter what perspective, I can't understand this. And if you've ever had that, um, you're not alone, because I think there's times in our lives that things happen and we can't figure it out. No matter how hard we try, we don't understand what's really happening. So here's a video. Take a look and you'll understand what I'm saying. All right, now I just want to make sure you understand what just happened there. This is why rock and roll didn't last. <laughs> you got to think about that one. That's a groaner. <clears throat> See, there was, there was something going on they couldn't understand. This guy couldn't understand why this, drive, this, this truck was going. I mean, I have to explain the video to you. But sometimes in life, you only have this amount of information. You only have this perspective. And we act on that perspective. And then all of a sudden, we might find out, oh my goodness, I had no idea. I did not realize this. And when I realized this, all of a sudden, it changes everything. But instead of him correcting it, he ran away. And, uh, and sometimes that's how we do. Like, oh my goodness, I did not know. And so I'm just going to bolt out of here. That's better. All right, now, well, how does this apply to Jesus? Because what we're going to see in a moment is that Jesus was bringing something new. It was radically new. And it has to do with the Old Testament, which is the Old Covenant. And now we're in a new covenant. And he was bringing a new covenant. And you couldn't just take the old and add a little to it and like, okay, that's good now. Like, like add a little religion to your life and that's going to be a good thing. No, that's not how it is. This was, this was a change. This was a shift. And they didn't understand what he was bringing. So with that in mind, let's dive in and let's um, try to learn something here, okay? So chapter 2, we're going to start at verse 19. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. Some people came and asked Jesus, how is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot. Don't miss that word. He didn't say they shouldn't. Not a good idea. I have something better. He said they can't. Can't. So long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. And on that day, they will fast. All right, let's go on to help you understand this newness. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins 
and both the wine and the wine skins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wine skins. All right, so let's just pause here. He was setting the stage for something new, something different. And it started out with, let's talk about fasting. Now, fasting in the Old Testament, there was the concept, there was only one time on the Day of Atonement that the, the Israelites were told they must fast. But then they were encouraged if in other times that they can fast. Now, sometimes, and this is what our human nature does, we take something that God says, and then we want to maybe add to it, and the Pharisees were fasting every Tuesday, and I think it was every Friday. So twice a week they were fasting. That started out with like, it's a good idea to fast, changed into, you must fast. And it became law. It became rule that everybody should fast. Then they took their rule, and they applied it to Jesus' disciples and said, hey, how come the Pharisees fast, but John's disciples and your disciples don't. And it probably made him smile because like, when did that become God's law? It never did. But people, well-meaning people, tried to do something that they thought would be very helpful and then it became almost like have to. All right, now, no judgment on my part. There's not, but maybe you'll understand this. I think when people give up meat on Friday during Lent, I think it started out a really good thing, and then somewhere along the way it changed that you have to, and you must, and you can't violate that. See, that's, that's a kind of an example, a modern example of how something that, you know, this is what God says, now we slide it over, and now it's, it's, it's a conscious, conscience thing. Like somehow I'm violating my conscience if I don't do this. And this is what fasting had become. But then Jesus goes on and says, well, you can't fast when I'm here. You can't do it. And, and honestly, I've tried all week, like, how can I help you understand? Because I had to understand this better. And the only thing that maybe comes to mind, because he talks about the bridegroom. So I did a wedding. This is about, uh, I don't know, 15 years ago or so. I did a $100,000 wedding. It was crazy. I mean, I have never seen such extravagance. And I know it was 100000 because the dad pulled me aside and said, this is what you get for $100,000. I'm like, holy smokes. He said, I sold some land to pay for this wedding. I sure hope they're still married. <laughs> but this is what I'm talking about. So fasting is like preparing your heart for the Messiah. Fasting is connecting and, and doing a ritual of hunger to grow closer in your relationship with God. But when God is right in front of you, you don't have to do this because he's right there. So it would be like this wedding I was doing. The florist came in and she was decorating the church. And now I'm watching my time. We had a two o'clock wedding and it was about 1.15 and she was just setting up. Now you got to understand, she probably had three vans full of stuff that were for in the church. And all of a sudden 125 came. And 1.30 came, and I said to her, I walked up, I said, we got a wedding in 30 minutes, you have 10 minutes to finish. And uh, boy, I got some colorful language towards me that day. And it was about 22 or 20 minutes before the wedding, and she was like, it's my deal, I'll do whatever I want to. So I said, ma'am, with all due respect, I've got these eight bride, you know, these uh, groomsmen, 
And um, we're going to be coming in with barrels in a couple minutes here. She didn't believe me. Ten minutes later, I had eight guys come in with eight barrels, rolled in, and we were ready to start putting in so we could start a wedding. You see, she was preparing for the wedding, but the wedding was about to start. You see, something was amiss. Like, either we're going to be preparing for the wedding or we're going to actually have the wedding. But you can't prepare and have the wedding at the same time. You can't do that. How do you do that? And God was saying, how do you prepare for me when I'm right here? You're fasting for the Messiah to come and the Messiah is here. How can you fast while I'm here? How do you do that? And, and they didn't understand there's something new. Like, like Jesus is new. He's bringing in a new covenant. So he uses two examples. You know, like if you got a tear and you take, uh, and these are washed jeans, and then you take unshrunk cloth, put it on here, sew it on there, then you wash your jeans, that's going to shrink, it's going to tear my jeans up. And I think everybody could go, oh, we can understand that analogy. And then he said, or take wine. You always put wine in a new wineskin because it ferments and it expands. But then after leather expands and comes back down, it gets hard. And if you put new wine in it and it expands, it bursts, it breaks. And they could all go. And his, his point was, there's a new normal. Covenant is based on laws, rules. The new covenant's based on a relationship with Jesus. There's the difference. And we're still struggling with this today. You and I, we're still struggling with this. Because if only it was, tell me what to do to get to heaven, I'll do it. Just give me the checklist, God. You want me to go to church every Sunday? How about three out of four? How about two out of four? How about one out of four? Does that cut it? Just, just give me the, what I have to do, and if I do this, then, then I get to heaven, right? And Jesus is like, no, you don't get it. The rules are the old covenant. All the laws of God is, is the old covenant. Now we've got a new way. What's the new way? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbors yourself, and you fulfilled every law in the Old Testament. Love God. Love others. Okay, but what do I have to do to get to heaven? You see, the, see why we struggle? Because if you lay down the rules, how do you do a relationship? And how do you know if it's enough of a relationship? And how do you know if you believe enough? How do you know if you're doing enough in your faith to get to heaven? Well, the answer is you don't have to because Jesus did it for us. You know what? That's hard now. Because I, where's my scorecard? I mean, at almost every funeral I do, people tell me that all the good things they did, so they're in heaven because of all the good things they did. And I never comment, but that's the scorecard thinking. Well, they did this and this and this and this and this and this, so obviously they're in heaven now. That's the old covenant. What's the new covenant? Did they believe in Jesus? Do we believe in Jesus? And Jesus said all it takes is a mustard seed, a simple faith, 
Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. He is big. What is it? He is... Thank you. You know it better than I do. That's the simple message. Jesus loves me. This I know. Done. No scorecard. I'm a sinner. Christ died for me. I believe that. Done. Paul says it this way. You're going to hear me use this verse more times. I hope you hear it so many times that you can't help but memorize it and say it back. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Nobody can get to heaven by what they do. Nobody can get to heaven by what they don't do. The only way to get to heaven is by grace, the grace of God given to us, and we believe it. And that's how we get to heaven. But when you're these Pharisees, these church leaders, and they're going, you don't fast. You're not keeping the scorecard. You're not doing what you ought to do. And those followers of yours are not doing what they ought to do. And Jesus was trying to explain to them, that's the old wineskin. That's the old cloth. There's a new cloth. There's a new faith. There's, it's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's all it is. Please don't make your faith any more complicated than Jesus died for me and I believe it and there's a place for you in heaven. And don't add anything more to it. So let's go on because they're going to add more to this. Verse 23. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions." Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So what was God saying? That even in the law when David was not supposed to eat that bread, it was okay. He was hungry. He was hungry. And God said, then it's okay. Feed him. That the laws aren't made for us to do necessarily there to protect us, to help us, to guide us. The Sabbath was for our benefit so that we would rest just like God rested. God gave us the Sabbath so we could rest and build a relationship with God. But here's what you may not know in this little section is that the only law that God gave about on the Sabbath is you weren't allowed to reap. So like Today's Sunday, we're probably going to see a lot of farmers, you know, gathering in the harvest. That's not a sin. Not a sin. But you're going to see that today. They're reaping today. They're harvesting today of everything they sowed. But in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, 
You could not take a sickle and cut the grain down. That you, God said, don't do that on the Sabbath because it's a day of rest. But God says if you're hungry and you would take some grain and you would eat it, that's not wrong. That wasn't a sin on the Sabbath. So what the Pharisees did is they added 39 things that you cannot do on the Sabbath. You see where this is going? Men, man-made, well, let's interpret what Jesus said or what, the, what God said in the Old Testament and we're going to add 39 things you can't do and that's the scorecard. And so when the disciples were getting some grain because they were hungry, oh, you violated our scorecard. You're violating God. But what do you do when it's God? God's eating as well. Can't be bad. God's with them. God would have said, hey boys, can't do that. But it was all right. Why? Because they were hungry. They were hungry. See, it's not always about the rule. It's about our relationship with Christ. That's the new. That's what mattered. All right, so he's going to go one more step. One more story about the Sabbath. Another time, Jesus went into the synagogue. This is chapter 3. And a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Why? Because one of those 39 things is you can't do any healing on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save a life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with Herodians how they might kill Jesus. You see, what they were trying to do is take Jesus, put him into this box, and judge him according to their laws. And you and I can fall into the same trap of judgment towards people. We can fall into the same trap of a scorecard. We can fall into this trap. This is a trap we can all fall into. God, if I'm doing the right things, you'll love me more, right? Then if I do everything, you'll love me more, right? But the fact is, God can't love you any more than he already does. God loves you no matter what. That's his love for us. And it's easy to fall into the, God, I've sinned against you. You probably don't love me anymore. Wrong. What's the new wineskin? God can't love you any less than he already does. And as believers in Christ... That should just permeate our life. Why are, we, why are we keeping a scorecard? Why are we keeping a scorecard for others? We do that a lot. What they ought to be doing, we, we 
judge people based on what we think they ought to be doing. And that's what the Pharisees were doing to Jesus. And the hard thing for a believer is to live in this thing called grace. God loves me more than I could imagine. And you as well. There's nothing I can do to lose God's love. I can't because God loves me no matter what. If I turn my back on Him, He still loves me. He still loves me. If I don't do what God wants, He still loves me. Now where does the Old Covenant help us? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. God, how do I do that? All right, let's go back and open up the Old Testament. You shall not murder. Oh, okay. You shall not kill. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. Honor your father and mother. Got it. Now I'm understanding in grace what you would like from me. See, here's the difference. And I've shared this with you before. We don't do things, good things, so God will love us and forgive us. God already loves us and forgives us. And because of that, we try to do what God wants us to do. See, one is trying to earn God's grace and favor. The other way is that I have God's grace. I have God's favor. Now, I'm trying to respond to that out of love for others. That's the difference. And they couldn't get their arms around it because they had their scorecards. And everybody was judged on the scorecard. And Jesus came and said, it's about my love for you. My grace for you. Heaven is a gift. Salvation is a gift. My gift, God says. My gift to you. You can't earn it. You can walk away from it. But you can't earn it. It's not by works. And then we live in this thing called grace, and now God sends us out of here. And this is, I think, the greatest challenge for us. God sends us out of here and says, would you go love people? Love them with grace. Love them the way that God loves you. Undeserved. Love them no matter what. That's what God calls us to do. Why? Not for the scorecard, but out of response to God's love and grace. I want to tell you another story. Uh, my stories in the garage are probably starting to limit now. Uh, we hired a new manager, and uh, he's actually here this morning. Uh, I'll be introducing him to you in the next couple weeks, him and his family. But I want to tell you a story about this week about just having the opportunity to love people. So I got a phone call on Thursday. Somebody was kind of frantic on the phone. And there was a lot of background noise. I, mean, I don't have the best hearing, and I was doing my best to hear her. And she was speaking as fast as you could possibly speak. And I'm trying to piece things together, and I started piecing together U of M, hospital, Ann Arbor, you know, child, um, and I wasn't quite catching everything. And so when she was done, I mean, I, I, and I thought, there must be a car thing in here somewhere. She called the garage. And then the car thing came in. And so when she was all done, 
I said, remind me of your name, I missed that. Oh yeah, my name's Brittany. Thank you, Brittany. I said, are you, you, are you at U of M right now? Uh-huh. Did I understand something about a child? Yes. A child is sick? Yes. Whose child? My child. And how is he? Well, they don't know if he's going to make it. How old is your child? Three months. And it just took my breath away. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. I know, Tom, you and Nicole, you can imagine. Don and Barb, you can understand this. And I said, how can I help you? She said, my car, you have to bang the gas tank with a hammer to get my car to start. Okay, where's your car? It's in Bay City. Now, I love this. She said, somebody told me that you might be able to help me. Can you help me? Absolutely. Absolutely, we can help you. So, long story short, her dad calls me. They get the car towed over. And uh, ironically, somebody gave us some money this week just to help somebody in need. This is where you just have to smile. Um, I actually opened up the envelope today, and there was $1,000 in there that it was just given to say, if you can help somebody, here it is. So the car is here. Um, actually, I went out this morning before I walked in, and I went out there. I wanted to see the car. You see, we're so privileged. If it wasn't for one of you who said something to this person to say, they can help you, we wouldn't have had the chance. And it's not about the car. It's the car gives us the chance to love. Love how? Right over here. Grace and love and kindness over a car. You understand that's why we do what we do, don't you? That's why we have an appliance store. That's why we do early care and education. It's why we're doing grocery store. It's why we're doing a garage. Because it's through those things God uses for us to be able as a church to show grace and love and kindness and forgiveness and overwhelm them with His love. That's why. God has opened up so many doors to share His love with so many people. That's why as a church we're doing it. And hopefully, hopefully, setting people free from God's mad at me because I, I messed up. He's mad at me. And we get a chance to say, no, He's not. He loves you dearly. And He loves Brittany's son. Would you pray for Brittany's son? I, she told me three times his name and I couldn't quite get it with all the noise. God knows his name. Just pray for Brittany's son. So I want to challenge you today. I really do. I want to challenge you. Live in grace. You're forgiven. Live in God's love. You're loved. 
by the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, love you, loves you more than you can ever imagine. And wants us to just take that love and go out and give it away. And the more you give it away, I mean, you can't run out. God loves you. Give it away. Have you ever heard this saying, love isn't love till you give it away? Give it away. What are you waiting for? Give it away to every person you meet. Give away God's love. You have an overabundance of love. You'll never run out. You can't run out. In fact, the more you love, the more love God just loads you up with. It's just keep giving away, give it away, give it away, give it away. Why? Because they need to know how much God loves them. So they can be set free from this. Let's pray, okay? God, first, I just want to lift up Brittany's son to you. And as a church, we know that you hear us, God. We know how much you love her son. You know right where he is. You're in that room with him right now. God, we pray for miraculous healing. We pray that you would bless Brittany, that this little boy's dad, bless their family as they're going through this. Wrap your arms around them and God, assure them that they're not alone. Thank you that we have an opportunity to love her. Open up doors so that we can keep loving people, God, and give that love away because you love us that much. So, Father, we just want to say thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace in our lives. And, and now help us, help us to go out and give it all away, God. Let's try to give all the love you have for us away because that's not possible. We ask this in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Thank you for tuning in today. We hope you are challenged and encouraged to walk in truth in your everyday. Please share with friends and family, and we can't wait to have you next time on the Messiah Podcast.